Our last episode ended with the nation of Israel crying out for a king like the nations around them. The rest of 1 Samuel is about that first king. Well, actually, that first king has to share the rest of 1 Samuel with another figure. And that's part of the problem. God instructs Samuel to go to the tribe of Benjamin and anoint the man that God points to. The tribe of Benjamin. Remember them? They're the ones nearly wiped out at the end of Judges. God is going to select their first king from that tiny tribe. God gives the nod to a young man named Saul. He's a farmer and a herder. He was striking, mainly because he was a head taller than anyone else around. Saul, out looking for his dad's donkeys, comes to Samuel the seer's house to see if he can get a little insight on where his donkeys are. As soon as he walks in, God says, Samuel, he's the one. Samuel strikes up an extended conversation with Saul. This gives us our first peek into this man's personality. He asks Samuel, why are you even talking to me? Maybe because he's so unusually tall, he seems shy and very self-conscious. Samuel offers to escort Saul out of town. Samuel gets Saul alone and breaks out a flask of olive oil. He dumps it over Saul's head. Even Saul, a farm boy, knows what this represents. You only anoint priests and leaders. Samuel instructs him, the God of Israel says, you will be the first king. Samuel then tells him where to find his donkeys and adds, by the way, God's going to change you into a different man. And God did just that. God's spirit came upon him and he was different. When he gets home, his uncle asks him what's happened. Saul doesn't tell him anything about Samuel, just that he's gotten the donkeys home safe. Samuel summons the people of Israel to Mizpah. He said, I found your new king. Let's coronate him. People are stoked. He pulls, as it were, Saul's name out of the hat. But they can't find him. The self-conscious Saul is hiding in a pile of stuff. When they drag the striking young man, head and shoulders above anyone else into the crowd, they begin to chant, Long live the king. Samuel warns him, only if you obey God's commands will you be king for long. Crowned king, Saul goes back to his farm in Benjamin. He's out plowing one day when he gets messengers. The king of Ammon has been wreaking havoc on the east side of Jordan, Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. The king of Ammon likes to leave his calling card on the men of Israel that he's conquered. He gouges out their right eye. No kidding, that's what he does. He comes to a town, Jabesh Gilead, after they make an offer of peace, he agrees only if he can gouge out all the right eyes of the men. He even agrees to give them a few days to see if they can get any of their lame brothers on the west side of the Jordan to come and help them. That's the message Saul gets in the field. In another godfather-like move, he cuts up the oxen and sends them throughout Israel, summoning their fighting warriors to join him at Jabesh Gilead. They do and have an overwhelming victory over the Ammonites. Wow, not bad for your first battle as new king. The people see this and start chanting his name. They're feeling pretty good about pushing the prophet Samuel toward having a king like the nations around them. Of course, like all politicians, not everybody is real excited about Saul, the son of Kish, the Benjamite. Some of the citizens suggest Saul should take out his detractors, but Saul will have none of it. Kudos, Saul. As we move forward in 1 Samuel, this might be the highlight of his entire reign. For Saul, it seems, is kind of a one-hit wonder. 
Samuel regathers the people and reminds them how God had protected and delivered them through the period of the judges and how they had rejected God by choosing a king. God put an exclamation point on Samuel's sermon by sending a terrible thunderstorm right there that day in the middle of the dry season. The people realized it as a statement from God. He was not at all happy with their decision. Shortly after this, Saul was tested again, this time by the Philistines. They come hard at Israel with 3,000 chariots. Saul had been told by Samuel, Form a front for battle, but don't pull any triggers until I'm there and do a burnt offering, inviting God to fight with us. Samuel said, I'll be there on day seven. Sit tight. But as the week passes, Saul notices some of his troops are going AWOL. So Saul the king, a Benjamite, takes it upon himself to perform the burnt offering. As the smoke is rising from the offering, Samuel shows up. He reads Saul, God's riot act, and tells him, God's going to go looking for king number two, a man after his own heart. The story continues with Saul down to only 600 men and the Philistines still in formation waiting to attack. We're introduced at this point to Jonathan, Saul's son. He's quite the man and a great warrior. Trusting that if God was with him, he could do anything, he and his armor bearer claw their way up a cliff to 20 Philistines waiting at the top. With God's help, he slaughters them all. Seeing one man drop 20, the other 600 men in Israel charge out of their positions toward the Philistines. And as word spreads in the hours that follow, other Israelite deserters join the battle. Seeing the tide had turned, Saul makes a foolish vow. He declares that any soldier who eats before he's avenged on his enemies will be under a curse. Jonathan and his armor bearer, of course, at the front lines, don't hear anything about his curse. Jonathan dips his spear in some honey to refresh himself and continues to fight. You'll read how Saul discovers his son's actions, his innocent actions, and almost puts Jonathan to death. Thankfully, the warriors of Israel veto the king. God appears to give Saul a second chance with the Amalekites. The Amalekites had been a thorn in Israel's side. God instructed Saul to treat the Amalekites as a burnt offering, like Jericho. But Saul had a better idea. After soundly defeating the Amalekites, he kept their king, Agag, and the best of their livestock. Samuel shows up and asks how the battle went. Saul's pretty proud of himself. That is until Samuel spots his prisoner, the Amalekite king, and hears sheep and cows bleeding and mooing. What have you done? Saul blames it on the people, and then comes up with this. We save them to sacrifice to the Lord your God. How's that for a burnt offering, Samuel? Samuel's reply, to God, obedience is better than sacrifice, and you've really blown it. In fact, you've just been defrocked as king by God. As Samuel turns to leave, Saul grabs his robe and tears it. Samuel says, Perfect illustration, Saul. God's just ripped your kingdom from you, friend. That's the last Saul will ever lay eyes on Samuel. Well, there may be one more time, but we're getting ahead of ourselves. God instructs Samuel to go to Judah and anoint the new king. That new king is a very young man, a shepherd with a gift for music. Meanwhile, Saul spirals down quickly. Whether it was depression, the pressure of the job, or an evil spirit, his mental conditions deteriorate. Someone suggested maybe music could calm him down, so they went looking for a musician. Someone mentioned the young shepherd musician from Judah. 
he was brought to Saul. His beautiful music calmed Saul's soul. Meanwhile, the Philistines continued to be a problem. They assembled once again for battle. Saul and his men went out to face them. You may remember from Sunday school their champion, Goliath. Nobody in Israel was willing to fight him, except for the young shepherd musician. The shepherd musician convinced Saul he was also a marksman with his slingshot. He drops the Philistine champion with one rock to the forehead. Something snapped that day in the mind of King Saul. He heard some of the ladies of Israel singing, Saul has slain his thousands, but this young, talented shepherd musician, his tens of thousands. In the remaining chapters of Saul's life and 1 Samuel, here's what happens. That young shepherd musician becomes intimate friends with Saul's own son, Jonathan. He marries into Saul's family. Everything the young man does, he's successful, which makes Saul hate him more. Twice while in Saul's court, Saul tries to kill him with a spear. When Saul's son Jonathan tries to stand up for this young shepherd musician, Saul tries to spear Jonathan. With the young shepherd musician running from Saul as a fugitive, Saul goes on rampage after rampage. He kills an entire village of priests and their families simply for innocently providing provisions for this young shepherd musician. He ignores the Philistine enemy and tracks the young man like a dog for a decade. Israel continues to grow more and more anemic. Then, the prophet Samuel dies. Finally, the Philistines come against Saul and his army in a knockdown, drag-out, all-out assault. Saul's beside himself, and there's no Samuel to consult about the will or presence of the Lord. Desperate, Saul consults a witch. He goes to a medium. He asks her, bring up Samuel. She shrieks when someone actually comes up. She describes that someone to Saul and he knows immediately it's Samuel. When Samuel asked why he's been called there, Saul said, I need a word from you and the Lord. Samuel said, I can do that. Here's the word. This time tomorrow, you and your sons will join me. Ooh, that's right out of a horror movie. The next day, Saul and his three sons were struck down by the Philistines on Mount Geboa. The Philistines took Saul and his three sons back to their city as trophies and pinned them on the city wall. 1 Samuel ends with the men of the city of Jabesh-Gilead marching all night to retrieve their bodies. They remembered how the young King Saul, the sane Saul, had saved their right eyes from the king of Ammon. They retrieved the bodies of Saul, Jonathan, and his other two sons, bring them back to Jabesh-Gilead, and give them a proper burial. 1 Samuel tells us Saul reigned for 40 years, most of them insanely jealous. A madman chasing a young shepherd musician he considered a fugitive and a threat to the throne. That young man indeed was a threat to the throne. He was anointed to take the throne. More than that, he was labeled by God, a man after my own heart. We'll meet that young anointed shepherd musician, man after God's own heart, in our next word picture.